Okay, let's talk a little bit about periods today, about the premenstrual syndrome, about period cramps and other menstrual irregularities. Of course, as always, our diet has a big influence, stress management, but you know me and today we'll talk about some seriously effective and helpful herbs because I think women have been told long enough to just relax and that it's just the nerves or the psyche or whatever. So yeah, there is help at the horizon. Don't worry. Um, yeah, let's talk about my favorite herbs for PMS and other menstrual problems. Let's dig into the weeds. Okay, so I'm sure you know someone or maybe you yourself have had premenstrual syndrome for a long time or period cramps um, or other problems surrounding menstruation. So yeah, it makes me actually really sad just knowing that there's so many women out there uh, not having found the solution yet through their problems because I think there is really so much we can do and we have so much on the herbal side and also a few supplements that can really help the body and really improve these symptoms. So please... Don't stop searching for the solution of your problem or um, a friend or family member. Send this episode to a friend so maybe it's helpful to more uh, women that are searching for an answer. Uh, yeah, because there is really so much we can do. Of course, it can be overwhelming. I will tell you here today about not the one miracle herb as always because that just doesn't exist unfortunately. It's always a combination. It's also a combination of causes. Yeah, so we have have different causes playing a role uh, in this problem so we also have to tackle the solution from different angles yeah so the liver plays a role our digestion even our microbiome plays a very big role or our hormones the hormonal fluctuations and how we metabolize them in the, through the liver uh, play a really really big um Uh, role. So yeah, we have to dig a bit deeper. And of course, if you are overwhelmed or you just would like to have some professional advice, uh, I'm here for you. Yeah, I offer health consultations as an herbalist. So we can talk about that or many other health topics and um, uh, yeah, try to find solutions for your health imbalances. You can always book a free call with me. The link is actually directly here in this, in, in this uh, description of this episode. So you can look for the link to my calendar here under this podcast and you can directly book a short free call with me so yeah we can get to know each other and uh, find out if you want to work with me and yeah then I can of course um, give you more personalized and detailed help but of course there is a lot we can do right now and you can do on your own it's always helpful to just improve our health on in a general way um, to improve our diet and uh, work on our a relaxation, try to minimize stress or improve the response to stress. This is maybe a better way to express it because, of course, there will always be stress and things to do in life and things happen. So we're all going through uh, some of these things that, of course, yeah, make it just harder to deal with the, the extreme um, hormonal ups and downs that we experience naturally as women. I mean, this is just a fact. Men don't have that. <laughs> Men, by the way, you know, they also have estrogen and progesterone. They, they need it uh, just as much as, as we do in a way. Um, so it's actually a bit tricky to say, you know, female hormones, male hormones. You know, women also have testosterone and need it, for example, and it's generally considered 
had a more male hormone. Yeah, this is because, of course, men have way more testosterone than we do. But they also have, uh, and we, of course, have higher estrogen levels and higher progesterone levels uh, in our fertile phase of life. So, yeah, there is a big difference and we undergo these cycles. Yeah, so let's just define our terms quickly that we're on the same page. Yeah, so... If I say um, cycle, I mean really the whole 28-day cycle, yeah, or that's what is meant, yeah. So some people uh, say cycle when they actually mean their period, which are the bleeding days, the menstruation, yeah. So the bleeding days, this is just three to four days or five days. Um, this is the actual bleeding days. So day one of your of um, a bleeding day is uh, yeah day one of your cycle yeah this is when we start counting so just we get a little bit of orientation of course it's really helpful to track your your menstrual cycle there are many apps that do that uh, they cannot be used to you know to track your fertility and to really be sure uh, about when are you fertile or not but of course they are a big help to just get an overview and just really uh, see is my cycle regular because you know cycle length can tell us a lot about Uh, what problems may be behind certain symptoms. Yeah, so we can get uh, a lot of information by tracking our cycle. Yeah, we can even, you know, measure our basal temperature in the morning before getting out of bed. And we can find out if we actually ovulated in the middle of the cycle. Yeah, so there are many helpful tools. And sometimes you, you want to get a bit deeper into tracking, especially if you are, for example, trying to conceive or you have been trying to get pregnant for a while already and you want to really find out why it's not working how it should be also in that case uh, you can book a session with me and we can dig a bit deeper into that but uh, yeah cycle tracking can definitely be helpful so the full cycle is those around 28 days could be 30 32 um, and the menstruation it starts then the first day is the first day of menstruation yeah then more or less around day 14 but in some women it's a bit earlier it's actually day 11 or 12 uh, so let's say bit between day um, as early as nine, it could be even, yeah, between day nine and 14, you are ovulating, yeah, normally, yeah, so this is more or less in the middle of the cycle. And uh, our estrogen goes really, really high, yeah, um, and then it slowly drops, yeah, and the estrogen drop causes then the bleeding to start. And in the second half of our cycle, the progesterone is high, yeah, so it gets It becomes high after a successful ovulation. If you don't ovulate anymore, then also normally you can see that, that uh, women have really low progesterone uh, levels in the blood um, uh, in that time of the period. So it always, it depends, you know, you get a really different picture. If you would measure your hormones throughout the cycle, you can measure them on day six. So shortly after your menstruation, where maybe there's not much happening, then you could measure them while you're ovulating, you would have really high estrogen, and then you can measure them again on day 21. And you see that now the progesterone is probably at its at its peak or a bit higher level and estrogen is already dropping. Yeah, So this would be the impression you get. Of course, it's not realistic to actually test our blood all the time. It's expensive and a bit an effort. And it's uh, also, yeah, we can tell pretty well also from the symptoms most of the time what's going on yeah so you don't have to necessarily check your your blood levels but in some cases of course can be helpful to look at the hormones in that way through a blood test yeah so okay now we have a little short overview uh, over our cycle so um what happens is uh, of course there can be um 
imbalances in the hormones. I mean, this is how we generally say it. Yeah, there is also uh, something called estrogen dominance, yeah, which uh, yeah sounds a bit scary. <laughs> But uh, this is basically if your progesterone is low in relation to estrogen. Yeah, so it's actually we could also say it's a, it's a progesterone deficiency, actually. And uh, um, yeah, not necessarily that the estrogen levels are really too low. It's also not about the levels in and of themselves. It's more about how we metabolize the estrogen. Yeah. So if we have the estrogen in our blood in high levels, the body has to get rid of that. Yeah. And the liver is a big factor in that, but also our digestive tract and even our microbiome. We now know, and really this was not known 20 years ago, that there is a so-called estrobolome. Yeah. This is basically micro yeah the microbiome in our gut um that are uh, so gut bacteria yeah that we have in our gut that deal with this detox detoxification phase or you know, the metabolism of these estrogens yeah so okay this sounds really complicated don't worry uh just to show you that you know the first thing when i hear pms is really i think of liver herbs yeah i think of milk thistle This is maybe a big favorite one and there's many studies on that. But as herbalists, we have also many other liver herbs uh, that we can use like dandelion root and burdock root and other things or yeah, anything bitter. Artichoke leaf uh, is good for the liver and can help the liver in this detoxification phase of the the estrogen. Yeah, Because what estrogen can cause, um, and this causes the PMS symptoms. Yeah, So this causes the symptoms of irritability, moodiness, uh, bloating and digestive problems, sometimes edema, yeah? that you feel your legs are really heavy and you retain water. So all of these symptoms are actually caused by these Toxic estrogen metabolites. Yeah. So the toxicity is actually created by our body uh, be just because the liver has maybe already enough to do. Yeah. And, uh, you know, even regular lifestyle uh, with toxins from the environment or things we do to our body, like uh, uh, drinking alcohol or even coffee, everything has to go through the liver and is occupying uh, uh, space there. Yeah. And is straining the, the liver or putting work and pressure on the liver and then we are on our cycle and we have high estrogen because we just ovulated and uh, this is perfectly normal but then it all gets a bit tight and the liver gets a bit overworked and cannot properly um yeah discard and get rid of these toxic estrogen metabolites yeah so just yeah a little bit of background before we come to the way more exciting herbs to understand why it's really the first and most important step probably to do something good for the liver yeah so we have milk thistle which is easy to take i always use the seeds yeah because the seeds you can really buy in bulk just a pound you know As always, buy a good quantity. Yeah, this is not about taking a few grams a day in that case. This is uh, about, you know, grinding up a good tablespoon of the milk thistle seeds. Uh, sometimes you have to, you know, start slowly. You know? uh, always when we work with the liver, you know, we don't want to detoxify too fast or too uh, intense. No? Some people are a bit sensitive. Uh, but the worst thing that can happen is that you feel a little bit nauseous uh, and it passes. You know, there's really no, no side effects to that, basically. 
And so I buy the milk thistle seeds and then I grind them up, put them in a jar. So I make like a batch for a week or so. I can already pre-grind them. And then I just brew a tea. That's actually pretty good. You can mix other things into that, of course, to adjust the flavor to your liking. Or you can just sprinkle the ground up seeds over your breakfast or food or salads, anything actually. Or you, you soak the seeds and take them like that. But I like to grind them before. Uh, I think the... Because the seeds are pretty hard, so I think, um, yeah, it just extracts better and more is uh, actually arriving in your body, if you take it that way. And other herbs like dandelion root, burdock root, you would make a decoction and just brew them for a good while. So yeah, this is always a good start to look after the liver and also after your microbiome, yeah, to really feed your gut bacteria. You need a lot of fiber, yeah. Uh, you need to eat plenty of different vegetables, also from the cabbage fab family, the brassica family, so broccoli and cabbages and um, yeah, all kinds of different plant fibers that feed the right gut bacteria that then also help in this estrogen metabolism. Yeah? So this can make a bit, big difference. And of course, yeah, we know as modern, modern humans, we have a pretty... Um, screwed up microbiome honestly <laughs> so it doesn't look too good in modern humans because of the reduced plant consumption and fiber consumption uh, so in traditional hunter-gatherer diets of course fiber consumption is always way higher you, you know chewing the whole day on roots and berries and plant materials so um, yeah we need that we cannot make glucose out of these um, plant material of, of many of these uh, no, that's why it's called a fiber no? it's not Uh, digestible and usable as energy for us like a cow that can uh, of course digest grass and things like that we cannot get the energy out of the fiber but we need the fiber to feed our gut microbiome yeah so this is a really important step so that we can then also properly deal with those estrogen metabolites yeah and of course the second step and this is probably what most people think of um, uh, first uh, when we talk about balancing PMS And addressing these symptoms is balancing the hormones. Yeah, We have also many amazing, great, very effective, safe herbs that can have a positive uh, impact on the female hormones that undergo all these ups and downs uh, through the cycle. So we have, of course, Vitex. Yeah, This is Agnus Castus. I'm going to say it also in German. It's called Mönchspfeffer. Yeah, so in German it's really funny because it's called the pepper of the monks. Yeah, so this has actually apparently been used by monks uh, that are, of course, have an abstinent uh, lifestyle and um, yeah, abstain from sexual pleasure. So they actually used Vitex, this plant, Agnus Castus, to suppress the libido. Yeah, so it was just a bit easier to be a monk uh, <laughs> with a Vitex and to. Um, obey by the rules um, because yeah actually for men uh, yeah it would not be good you know to um, to add these phytoestrogens these uh, plant hormones to uh, to their bodies but for us women this is great you know we can for us actually it helps no matter if we have high estrogen or low estrogen or whatever's going on these plant hormones uh, they are actually very gentle they use the same receptors they don't 
work exactly in the same way as our own hormones. Yeah, Our own estrogen is much stronger. So even if you have, in that case, if you have estrogen dominance and there is more like a too much in relation to the progesterone, the vitex can actually gently regulate this a bit down, regulate the estrogen like a bit down because um, the, the phytoestrogen is not as aggressive at the receptor as our own estrogen. Yeah, so also don't try to, you know, don't worry about the details. Just, um, yeah, it's complex. Uh, but we know, um, you know, it's funny that we from traditional use in herbalism, of course, we know that, yeah, it's not that we ever needed a blood test to actually see what is going on. Is estrogen high or low or what's going on with the hormones of a woman? Yeah, we could as herbalists since uh, forever, you know, successfully treat uh, these um, cycle irregularities like PMS with uh, Vitex and uh, yeah with great success uh, also for fertility no? so um, yeah it's a very successful long used herb in western herbalism Agnus Castus or Vitex or Mönchspfeffer it is called and then of course we have from Ayurvedic medicine the most known herb is maybe Shatavari which also probably you have me heard talking about so uh, Shatavari the dose is a bit higher no? so just quickly back to the Vitex Vitex is really just a few grams or even you know half a gram or you don't even need um, an extract in pills you can really just buy the actual Vitex berries in a dried form, they look a bit like little peppercorns and you can actually use them in the same way. Yeah? You can use, uh, put the Vitex into a little pepper mill and then just grind it freshly over your food and just take a little bit of Vitex. Really, it's more around a gram or less uh, per day. Um that would already be effective. No? So Vitex, or you make a tea, but it's pretty intense and peppery. So I prefer or to grind the berries and use them on my food um, or to take the Vitex berries in capsules. Yeah, There's also just encapsulated Vitex powder, basically. It doesn't have to be an extract. Yeah, It's usually not needed because the dose is very low but any of the you know conventional normal supplements out there is worth a try you know you just start with one capsule a day and you use that for a month if you don't feel anything but maybe a little bit you can increase the dose um, I also yeah uh, I hear a lot out there that you have to pause it again after three months this is not true I think yeah so of course um it, is, it can happen that this is enough, that you just need it for a few months and your hormones will regulate and everything's fine. Of course, especially if you do all the other work and you improve your microbiome and you work on the liver as well. Uh, so, of course, this can this is enough for some women. But I see, uh, you know, uh, I find it also really sad if women have finally found that Vitex, Vitex uh, works for them and they have used it for three months and then they think they have to 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 take a break and of course then their symptoms come back yeah so i think this is our extreme caution here in the west sometimes that we base uh, our knowledge a lot on studies and that we uh, maybe don't have or remember our traditional traditional herbal knowledge about these plants but um, you know from traditional herbal knowledge and Western herbalism, uh, we know that Vitex is safe, that it can be given f longer, yeah, that there is not a limit, yeah, it is just the fact that we have only studies that, you know, in scientific studies, we have only uh, studies that um, 
that worked with uh, three months of giving Vitex and then, yeah, then the study was over, yeah. <laughs> But so we don't have studies that prove that an ongoing um, treatment with Vitex is successful or necessary or helpful or whatever or safe or whatever. Uh, so this is why there is this caution. Yeah, we don't know because there is in the studies we have tested it only for three months. But this doesn't mean you should pause after three months. Yeah, because as I said, if that for you is enough evidence that we have used this herb in traditional ways, um, in traditional uh, herbalism for longer, and it has always been pretty safe. No? Of course, it's not the right herb for all women, of course, but there's also probably no damage in just trying it out and seeing Yeah, if you have um, no? symptoms, if it doesn't work for you, then you try the next thing. No? So, yeah, um, the good thing is really yeah, that if you orient yourself through the traditional lens and traditional herbal empirical knowledge, then, uh, yeah, we must say these herbs, we use them for so long because they are so safe and because they work so well. Yeah? And the studies come later and they are limited. And, you know, there was no study um, got funding for being longer than three months. Why? Because you cannot patent Vitex. Yeah? And there is, uh, it's not possible for the pharmaceutical industry to make a whole lot of money with a branded, um, patented um, pharmaceutical yeah? because any company can just sell Vitex. So there's no interest. Yeah, There is no interest in funding these longer term studies. Yeah, But I can just say, yeah, we have these studies. This is us. Yeah, This is us women actually taking Vitex um, in real life. And um, yeah, there's many women who are taking this for longer than three months. So you can decide, of course. And um, it's always good to get an, a second opinion and some help if you want to Uh, work with this in a safe way of course yeah so this is vitex very low dose yeah so really starting with a capsule a day and this has to be taken more like the whole cycle actually i i know some people say second half of the cycle which might also work yeah i'm not i know there is there will always be little contradictions and or just you know different ways of working with herbs and this is fine i use it generally the whole cycle every day because I think it has, it also gives a signal, um, you know, to uh, to our brain that regulates um, the, the hormones. So I think it's better to take it every day. Also, you will most likely forget, yeah, if you are like, okay, so I take it only in the second half of the cycle and then, uh, yeah, it's oftentimes harder to actually do that, yeah. So I think it can be given every day and also there's no need um, really to stop. Of course, you have to always see the individual situation, And if it works for you, um, it, it will also not work in the first cycle. Yeah, So maybe you notice a slight improvement. Hopefully, in many cases, actually, it is like that, that you would notice something already in the first cycle. Uh, but then the second and the third, you know, it's really, it's really working and you can adjust the dose. And yeah, this is not a personalized recommendation. This is a general advice and, of course, just for educational purposes. But this is how Vitex has been used traditionally. Yeah. Okay, so Shatavari. I already started talking about Shatavari, of course, from Ayurveda. Really famous herb. Here the dose is more like, you know, two tablespoons of the powder. And this, you can take this in a capsule. Yeah, this would be many capsules, yeah, over 40 capsules probably. So um, it is easier to actually stir the powder into some mushy food, make a smoothie or something with it and just, yeah, try to find some way to get this down. <laughs> it's not very, um, yeah, it's a slightly bitter 
I like many of these Ayurvedic herbs, but it's okay. Um, from Chinese medicine, we have Dongkwai, for example. Uh, so this is also, it, this is one of the most used herbs in the whole world because many women also use this for menopause and to treat hot flashes and works also really well. So uh, yeah, many of these herbs, actually also Shatavari and Vitex can be used for menopausal um, uh, symptoms uh, because yeah, this of course has also to do with the female hormones in a in a similar way so um yeah these are our hormones that uh, our herbs that work on the hormones directly yeah then we have actually also a category that is um, maybe not the first thing you would think about by um, balancing hormones but if you think what does it have to do with our blood, our menstruation, yeah. So the blood, the circulation, also inflammation, yeah. Especially if there is pain and period cramps, also, yeah. So this would maybe, yeah, specifically also help if there is pain uh, and cramping, because then it's always good to lower the inflammation in the body. And for blood and circulation, what comes to mind? Hawthorn berries, yeah. So hawthorn berries, or even rose hips, yeah. These red uh, pigments, the polyphenols, these um, anthocyanidins, yeah, it's a type of flavonoid um, that that we have. Um, they are really good for circulation, for, um, yeah, for the blood, for um, to lower inflammation. So we think of hawthorn berries as a traditional heart remedy, which also it is definitely, of course. Um, but also through this effect of protecting, um, protecting us from arterial plaque strengthening uh, our blood vessels. Uh, but yeah, this has of course to do with the blood. No? The menstruation is also closely related. No? Uh, yeah, to blood and circulation, obviously. No? So we can use these herbs that have these benefits uh, in strengthening our yeah our our circulation everything associated with the blood like hawthorn berries and also rose hips yeah so sometimes i even use yeah you know whatever's uh, more easily of course there are differences and there are no, it's not the same herb but i'm just looking for a big concentration of these bright red uh, plant pigments which I find in hawthorn berries and also in rose hips and uh, both lower inflammation drastically and alone this can reduce the pain yeah and also this is not a tiny dose unfortunately yeah this is also more like that we have to use um, yeah with with rose hips honestly and also hawthorn berry actually um, 30 grams is not an uncommon dose in traditional herbalism yeah so you can it's a good amount <laughs> Yeah, it's several tablespoons, definitely. And you can, or just use the powder, yeah, especially, no, both actually. Rosehip powder, hawthorn berry powder is actually easily available. With the rosehips, you maybe have to check if it's only the rosehip seed powder or if it's the whole, you know, kind of the red part of the rosehip in powder form, yeah. So this is just uh, what you have to pay attention with hawthorn berries. It's usually just powdered hawthorn berry and it's, um, it should be pretty, pretty easy to find. And so, yeah, then you again, you have a powder that you can stir into a smoothie, into some mushy food. With rose hips, I also like to make a tea, so I kind of soak it and boil it for a while. And uh, But I make, yeah, I make a really thick tea, so this is not something that you could do with a little tea bag 
from the supermarket that is like a little nice rosehip tea with like a gram of uh, rosehip powder. Yeah, so we're talking more in this ballpark of definitely over 10 grams, let's say, yeah, 10, 15, up to 30, I would say, as much as, as you can get in comfortably. Yeah, uh, this is usually what I what I try to to shoot for. Yeah, so also coming from a totally different angle. Yeah, of course, hawthorn or rosehips are not particularly known to balance the hormones directly, but they balance our blood circulation and can lower inflammation and can help especially with pain and period cramps. Okay, yeah, then we also, of course, we have some interesting supplements that we can take. So I would say definitely magnesium, especially if it's um, period cramps and pain, but also the mood issues and irritation and mood fluctuations that we sometimes have uh, in this phase of you know, premenstrual uh, symptoms in the days before our period. Yeah, they can be greatly helped by taking a bit of magnesium. Uh, no, magnesium can also ease the cramps, of course. It's very relaxing. Most people are deficient in magnesium. This is just a fact, so it's not uh, a bad idea to take this on a daily basis anyway. Uh, I usually recommend it in a dose, you know, just under, uh, just a bit less than what would cause you diarrhea. Yeah, <laughs> so I know it sounds funny, but it's actually really like that. Yeah, because, you know, in one capsule of, let's say, magnesium glycinate, which is what I often use, there is just a hundred milligram of magnesium in one capsule, yeah. So one capsule might not be enough, yeah. So this is you start with one, next day two, next day three, and so forth, until you feel oh now your stool is getting pretty loose, which also is mostly a good effect for many people, especially in the days before your period. Maybe you have constipation and you're bloated, and this can actually help you to go to the bathroom a bit more often and have better bowel movements. Uh, and but of course there is a point where it's too much magnesium and then you have to back off yeah so this is how you can find out your dose with magnesium then we have b6 or in general actually uh, the b vitamins are always a good idea um, and it should also be a pretty high dose b complex usually they are called a b100 and they have really yeah, interesting doses, therapeutic doses of each B vitamin. And e yeah, even then you might add a little extra B6. So you can easily, uh, usually there are maybe tablets of 25 milligrams of B6. And, you know, you could take 50, 75, no, always starting low and gradually increasing and seeing what happens. Uh, taking it in the morning, B the B6 is a bit better. Um, but yeah, this has also alone the B the B six alone has resolved already of many uh, women uh, period problems and PMS and things like that. Now also vitamin D, of course, very anti-inflammatory is also something that many people are very deficient in. So this is. Um, uh, yeah, in regards to supplements. And you can combine these, yeah. So I would say it's really an approach where you have to mix and match a bit, yeah, where you have to definitely do something for your digestion, for your microbiome, maybe taking a probiotic and helping the liver with a little bit of milk thistle. Uh, there's also other supplements that come in capsules. Uh, they are called DIM. And then there's also sulforaphane. So these also help with the, the estrogen metabolites. And yeah, it's uh, they are easy to take. So don't forget these, um, the estrogen metabolism, yeah, these toxic metabolites that cause many of the PMS symptoms. Yeah, this is really through 
helping the liver yeah even beetroot juice yeah this is actually also one of my favorite uh, remedies for the liver drinking beetroot juice every day or also other tap root vegetables like carrots yeah carrots and beetroot that would be a good idea to help and yeah doing something for your blood circulation and lowering inflammation with these um uh, uh with the polyphenols with the hawthorn berries rosehip you can combine these yeah and taking some magnesium b6 on top you know then you have a good start yeah so uh i think in many cases it's a, it's a combination yeah and we cannot only work on one area yeah of course we have also herbs that we also maybe don't think of at uh, at first if we talk about pms but of course the adaptogens can help us nervines can help us yeah so adaptogens are herbs uh, that help us deal with stress yeah that can balance our mood yeah i'm thinking with pms i often recommend rhodiola so some women then really just need it when they have uh, the bad mood and they feel tired and fatigued or some take it the whole uh, cycle and just every day a little bit of uh, this adaptogen uh, in a capsule usually you know rhodiola is easy to take in a in a capsule so this is rhodiola rosea a typical adaptogen it is slightly stimulating so i would take this in the morning around midday maybe another capsule and just observe how it works for you. It is slightly mood uplifting, um, but also, you know, balancing. No? It is to balance our stress response. Yeah, And stress, of course, has a lot to do with how we can deal with these symptoms and how we feel about ourselves, and especially if we have PMS. There's, of course, uh, the more calming adaptogen. The most calming, um, in a way, is uh, ashwagandha, ashwagandha root, also from Ayurveda. So you can combine that, you know, if you're already taking shatavari, then you add a bit of ashwagandha powder to that and make a mix and combine those both and um, especially if you have anxiety you feel kind of irritated agitated maybe even angry and very moody have very intense mood issues um, in the days before your period or whenever then yeah ashwagandha is a really good herbs of course our nervines i mean chamomile tea if you are in that situation you have period cramps or you know you can't sleep or um, you just need something to relieve the tension and the cramping chamomile is great hops valerian all our so these are the bit stronger nervines no? like hops and valerian they also have um, a strong antispasmodic effect so some women use hops oil on the belly and make a massage um, and uh, this helps really well or a tea hops tea is pretty bitter also valerian i usually take yeah, a tincture or there's also capsules of course chamomile is really good of course just make a tea but make it really strong not just the tea bag and cover your your teapot uh, so that the essential oils don't evaporate and let it steep for 10 minutes so yeah it's a um, uh, you have to yeah just experiment a bit with the dose but um, this is always the thing that um, a, a little tea bag with, with a gram of chamomile flowers is maybe not do, bringing you much relief or an effect but you know a good heaping tablespoon of chamomile flowers in a cup of water and then steeped for 20 minutes this is a pretty strong tea already then you can also feel that chamomile is actually pretty bitter and uh, yeah that it's a really a really strong effective herb and uh, yeah this nice little pretty flower who would have thought that yeah okay so i hope i gave you some options here 
uh, yeah, send me your questions. Also send me, um, yeah, tell me if, if you're interested in more uh, podcasts about hormones. We can also talk about menopause and other situations in our female life. We undergo so many changes. So that's always interesting. So yeah, I'm also always looking forward to your feedback and questions. And um, yeah. That's it for today. Thanks for listening. And uh, yeah, check out also my Kofi membership. I post the link here in the description of the episode. I have a big collection of classes and videos, uh, video classes for you about all kinds of topics, also about female hormones, about medicinal mushrooms, about adaptogens, uh, so many topics that we have collected over the years with you in my live Zoom cl classes. I have paused the classes at the moment, but this is just until I come up with a new idea for you. And uh, But you still have access to the whole library of herbal classes that are posted there. So if you sign up, you are supporting the podcast and supporting the creation of these episodes and also of my YouTube channel, which I hope you'll also check out. It's called Herbal Help by Tamara on YouTube. And uh, yeah, so if you feel like supporting with a, a monthly small donation, then sign up on the Kofi membership page and you get access to all these herbal in-depth classes with super interesting herbal topics. And uh, yeah, of course, you can also book a health consultation or a free call to start with. Yeah, so we can have a little meet and greet first if you are considering to book some health consultations with me over like to have uh, a short call to so that we can just talk and get to know each other and you can find out if you actually want to work with me if I'm the right person for you and yeah then we can set you up for the health consultations and yeah great okay thanks for listening and until next time bye bye